Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Tuesday, Tuesday in the octave of Easter. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad that you can join us for this hour as today and every day we try and understand how God is speaking to us, how he's leading in our lives, the ways that he might be speaking to us. And when you have somebody talk to you and say, hey, I've got some good news and some bad news, which one do you want to hear first? When somebody asks you that question, which do you choose? Do you always want to hear the bad news? Do you want to hear that first? Get it out of the way. Or do you start with the good news? You want to hear what's good first, help lessen the impact of that bad news that's yet to come. Or does it matter on the situation, the circumstances? You might choose good news sometimes, or you might want to hear the bad news first sometimes. You know, nobody wants to receive bad news, of course. Everyone loves getting good news, and the bigger and better the news, the more you want to share it, the more you you have to share it. And I really like seeing my kids, especially at younger ages, when they have something good that happens, because they're almost bursting. They just have to tell someone. And it's not that they will only calmly approach me or my wife or, you know, one of their siblings to share the good news. If they're especially maybe like 10 years or younger, if something good happens to them, they won't just walk home. They'll run to the house. They'll slam the door behind them as they race into our home to find one of us so that they can tell about what just happened, what has them so excited. It could be something as small as maybe they just found a coin, a quarter or a dime out on the ground as they were walking home. Or maybe that day at school, their teacher singled them out for doing a good job on some project, something that happened there in the classroom. But they want to tell somebody about it. They have to to find someone that can share in their joy. As adults, we might do the same thing, but we don't necessarily have such obvious enthusiasm about it. you know, it, and it might have to be something a little more significant. We aren't running every time that we have some small good news, racing quickly so we can share it with our family or our friends. And as adults in our contemporary society, at least for me and my friends, my family, we share good news most of the time with a phone call or a text message. I mean, can you think about the last time that you, as an adult, you actually physically ran to tell someone about something good that just happened? 
How amazingly good would the good news have to be for you to start running to go find that certain person that you just had to tell? Well, have you noticed how much running actually happens after the resurrection of Jesus? Yesterday at Mass, the gospel reading that we heard, it tells about Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that's with her, and after they learn that Jesus is risen from the dead, they run to tell the disciples, two grown women running to tell this good news. And when they tell the disciples, what happens? Well, Peter, he starts running to the tomb to see for himself. John, the apostle, he races right after Peter, catches Peter, passes him, arrives at the tomb first. There's all this running that's happening there on Easter morning. People running around, wanting to tell the good news, wanting to see with their own eyes, verify the good news. Well, today on The Inner Life, we're going to spend the hour looking at some of those different gospel readings that we're going to hear at Mass this week, and how they can help us today, 2,000 years later, to encounter the risen Christ, truly encounter Him here and now in our lives. And joining us as our spiritual director today on The Inner Life, I'm very glad to welcome for the very first time here, Father Michael Martin. Father is a Franciscan priest, and he is the director of the Duke Catholic Center at Duke University. He's been there since 2010. Uh, Father Michael, welcome to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here today. Josh, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, honored to be with you and to our, with our listeners, and uh, Happy Easter. It's just... Uh, yes. Um, we have run to each other electronically to share uh, share the good news over the over the airwaves here today. But uh, hope your Easter was a, a blessed one. Yeah, a beautiful time with uh, family and able to participate in the Triduum. And so, yeah, it's it's been just a wonderful time celebrating over the last couple of days. Uh, Father Michael, since it's your first time now, you're you're at Duke University. You're out in uh, North Carolina. Have you always been there, over on the East Coast, or what? Since this is your first time with us, just tell us a little about yourself. Sure, um, I uh, I've been here as I think you mentioned for twelve years, um, and uh, prior to that, um, I was stationed for sixteen years. Uh, um, at my actually at my alma mater, my old high school, um, where uh, in Baltimore, Archbishop Curley High School, and I served there as the missions director, and then as the principal, and then for the last nine years there as the president, and then before that, I was serving as the admissions director at our high school, uh, just outside of Buffalo, New York. So uh, was ordained in uh, 1989, and um, have, was in educa- I've been ministering primarily in education uh, ever since. And so uh, it's been great being here uh, at Duke. Um, what an unbelievable university it is. And just engaging young people in their faith at this level uh, has just so inspired me um, to, to continue to grow in my relationship with Jesus, to be a better uh, Christian, to be a better man, to be a better Franciscan, uh, and hopefully to be a, a better priest. So uh, I've been honored in the different places that I'm serving. Uh, actually, my tenure here at Duke uh, is coming to a close, believe it or not. Um, as of uh, July 1, I'm going to be reassigned. I don't know where yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be a blessing as uh, my previous assignments have been have been a blessing as well. So mm. uh, that's just a little, little bit. I grew up in Baltimore, 
uh, and actually, um, as I said, I, I was head of my old high school. I went, uh, I really encountered the Friars as a high school student and just they, uh, they really uh, impacted me. And, uh, I was going to say, I, I liked it so much. I bought the company, so to speak. So, uh, they, they <laughs> made not a big only, difference I'm in not, my life. Yeah. The hair club for men. I, 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 right. I, I was thinking Norelco. Okay. That's there you go. Dated, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, well, and as you're talking about working in education, um, especially around college students, you know, remembering my own time in college and just seeing my own kids as they, uh, you know, my older kids are kind of around that same age. And there's a lot of idealism. There's a lot of uh, just passion of wanting to just dive in, you know, all, not not hold back any of yourself in whatever you're going into. I've got to imagine, as you were talking about it, you know, the students have kind of inspired you. That uh, that that ability to see students that they don't want to compromise, they don't want to hold anything back, especially when it comes to their faith, that has to be an inspiration for you uh, as as you work with them. It certainly is, and you know, I I tell people all the time that you know if if you don't have uh, hope for the uh, for the future, in particular for the future of the church, then your, your eyes just aren't open enough. You know, that what I witness, and I think campus ministers uh, around the country would, would echo this thought, is um, just what you're saying, that the vibrance of uh, people in that uh, 18 to 28 quadrant there that, or cohort, I should say, um, they are, you know, fired up for life. And, and when the good news is presented to them in many of the ways that, you know, this week's Gospels uh, present it, uh, that concept of just the kerygma, you know, of, of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, that that, uh, we, what we believe is, is that, you know, that can't not inspire, you know, and so you always have to work against it, but I, I to, to not be inspired by it. But my experience is that, you know, our, our young people, um, it's hard. I'm, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm just saying that when they have that experience, uh, they they engage it in a way that edifies me. And I, I'm, I'm blessed to have been able to do that uh, on this campus uh, for, you know, a good number of years. And these are young people that are going to go out and be the, you know, the, the leaders and movers and shakers in the world. And to know that uh, we've been able to share with them a vision of the world uh, that's based and grounded in Christ and uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit and with a little Franciscan life view, so to speak. I'm, I'm excited for what they'll do, not only in their places of work, but also, more importantly, in their families and in particular in their, their local faith communities, their parishes and, and the like. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, as you say, with your own kids, um, seeing that energy and saying the church needs a little more than that and um, trying to find ways to get uh, our graduates to then go out and not be afraid to make themselves present in pastoral settings to make that kind of difference is, uh, is critical for our ministry. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about your experience there working with college students at Duke. And uh, sure. as we, as I mentioned, we want to talk about here today on the inner life some of those different gospel passages that we encounter this week at Mass, and how we can really encounter Christ himself through those different readings, how we can—it can become more than words just on a page, that we can truly have that transforming experience, getting to know, grow in relationship with Christ— and so I mentioned, you know, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Yesterday, we have them. They are there. This is Matthew's gospel. This is Matthew that's recounting this particular scene here. And they're the first two who learn about Jesus' resurrection. They have gone to the tomb in the morning. And right before we actually hear where it picks up at Mass yesterday— the right before that in Matthew's gospel, there's the angel that appears, the guards that are there outside of the tomb, they fall down, become like dead men, they pass out. And then the angel, uh, his very first words, it's kind of the same words that we hear angels say often. It's same words that angel, the archangel Gabriel says to Mary at the Annunciation, do not be afraid. But even so, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they start running off to try and find the disciples and tell them the news. And Matthew, he says in his gospel account, they were fearful yet overjoyed. And then even when Jesus meets them on the way, before they get to the disciples, he encounters them, and his first words are the same as the angels. Do not be afraid. Why do you think there was this fear You know, they've just been given this amazing good news. They see with their own eyes something miraculous has happened here. They haven't encountered Jesus yet, but they've got this fear. Where do you think that comes from? Well, I I think uh, there are two uh, areas here that um, are worthy of our reflection um, in our own spiritual journey. But just to understand the the scriptural context a little bit first, one one is that... um, I don't think we fully appreciate the horror of Good Friday and what that must have done to the followers of Jesus around their own prospects moving forward, that the the gruesome death that they saw uh, their their good friend, their rabbi, their leader, their, you know, their the one they had in whom they had placed all their trust was brutally and callously his death was chanted for. And the fear that that must have um, embedded in his followers, just imagining, am I next? You know, if I, if people come to know that I was one of his followers, am I next? You know? And so I, I think, you know, we don't, uh, we rush to, you know, to Easter Sunday because we're not real crazy about Good Friday. And we, as soon as we hit Easter Sunday, we're, you know, Good Friday could have been, you know, a billion years ago, right? So, but it wasn't for the the followers of Jesus. That terror was still very much uh, part of their spirit, and the the shocking reality of that image was uh, you had to know, uh, you know. We have to know it was just 
um, very disturbing on so many levels. And so that's one level of do not be afraid. The other is, again, we've had 2,000 years to process yeah, right. the resurrection. <laughs> yes. they, they, they have about six seconds, you know, like, and I think that that reality um, is something that um, I, it, it leaves me a little speechless trying to think, what would I be feeling? And I have to believe it would be free. It would be fear. So I, I think there's a very natural uh, other reaction to to witnessing either someone else telling me, you know, like an, first of all, seeing an angel, but then an angel telling me that Jesus had risen or seeing Jesus himself had to be fear inducing. So I think those two realities are, are things we have to take into account and then begin to say, where have we been that afraid and where has the the awe of some experience so shaken us into into maybe fear even if it's a good experience i think those are places mm -hmm. where on the inner life we can begin to reflect and say what's god saying to me in this moment as a result well yeah i i think that's very important because as you talk about you know hindsight 2020, you know, that kind of attitude, it's easy to, it's easy to look back, like you say, 2000 years later, even, even 10 years later to look back. I think those early Christians could have said, oh, you know, well, now we know how everything has worked out and it's all been for good. You know, yeah, there's, there's persecutions, but we have this amazing, miraculous hope that life doesn't end here, that we can be reunited with Christ after our life here ends. But when we do face those fears in our life, you know, especially when we are trying to stand firm in our faith, be a bold witness of our faith, I guess there, there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, we, you know, it's important that we recognize that fear, that we don't try and just sweep it under the rug, that we don't try and ignore it. But then also that we don't allow it to paralyze us, you know, and that's something that we see with the two Marys, that they might have been fearful, but it didn't just stop them dead in their tracks. They still were able to move forward. And how do you think we can take that fear, have it in maybe the right place in our life? so that we can let our joy and our excitement and our hope be the driving force to motivate us to take the message forward, to impact our world for good? No, great question. And I, I, I would just maybe allow us to not dispense with the fear as always uh, a paralyzing uh, dynamic, but it, it can also be a motivating one. I mean, I, I think uh, any of us, have had experiences of fear where it catapulted us into something maybe beyond even our own wildest imagination that, that we could possibly do. So there, there can be a healthy fear. You know, we even talk about the fear of the Lord is the first stage of wisdom. And so to, to uh, not cower before the, the awesomeness of the resurrection, but to rather realize in, in a sort of a holy trembling that says, wow, something big is happening here and it's bigger than me and I, I can't help but run. You know, so 
I, I do appreciate that sometimes we, we, we look for more positive motivation, but I, I think that uh, fear can also be one of those uh, positive motivators. To your point, though, I think finding uh, or, or acknowledging the paralysis and saying, hey, wait a minute, that anytime I'm, uh, you know, that I've been locked down, you know, something's not healthy there. You know, we just experienced that, you know, in our lives um, worldwide, you know, through the pandemic where we were, we were literally locked in and we saw how that created so, I mean, as much as I'm not, you know, saying that we shouldn't have, I'm just saying that that dynamic is very real in our, in our recent, you know, collective history. Uh, and we've seen how it can inhibit us from doing so much that uh, needs to be done and, and allows us to connect. And so when we're locked in um, that and paralyzed by our fear, that's, you know, should be an indication something's not, not good that's at work here. And I've got to try and overcome that. And nothing like, you know, the encounter with, Jesus or an encounter with one of his uh, messengers, you know, to be able to say, if God speaks to me in this way, if God encounters me in this way, I have got to trust and I've got to find ways to overcome uh, this, this paralyzing fear. Talking with Father Michael Martin today, he's a Franciscan priest, the director of the Catholic Center at Duke University. And talking about the the different gospel readings that we hear at Mass this week and how those can help us to know to encounter Jesus in a real way. And how has that happened for you, reading Scripture? How have you encountered Christ? How have you been able to grow in your relationship with Jesus as you get to know him better through reading the Gospels, through reading the other scriptures. And how have you taken that good news of Jesus, just like Mary Magdalene? How have you taken that news and shared it with others? We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about one of the readings here this week, and you'd like to talk with Father Michael. The number for the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you with us here, as today we talk with Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest, discussing some of the different readings that we hear, the gospel readings that we hear at Mass this week, and how we can take those and not just look at them as a story from 2,000 years ago, but we can truly encounter Christ ourselves through those readings, the risen Christ. And we're also inviting you to call in. How have you encountered Christ in uh, reading the scriptures? 
How has reading the Gospels, how has that allowed you to grow in your relationship with Christ? And how have you been able to then share that with others? 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call into the studio, 888-914-9149. Father Michael, as we continue our conversation, we were looking at the reading from yesterday from Mass, and before we move on to today's Gospel reading, you know, one other thing that it might be good to talk about, there's this common theme that has been spoken about for centuries, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they become, uh, this phrase, the apostles to the apostles. You know, these women are given the honor of being the first ones to be able to proclaim the great news that Jesus is alive, to carry that to someone else. But as they then encounter the apostles, their experience of sharing this news, it reminds me of other times where maybe a miraculous message has been given, and that's been brought to one of the apostles, specifically a successor of one of the apostles. And I'm thinking of things like uh, Juan Diego, when he went to his bishop with the news of the message that was given to him by Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Bernadette, another one who shares the words given to her when Our Lady appeared to her at Lourdes, that title of the Immaculate Conception. And these bishops, they're initially skeptics. They're hesitant to believe. They want some confirmation. And we end up seeing this with the original 12 apostles. You know, when they're told of the resurrection, they also want that confirmation. They want to see it with their own eyes. And, you know, with with Peter, he wants to run out and check and make sure I'm sure there's a little bit of skepticism there as he he's running, extremely hopeful. You know, I mean, his hope has moved him to run to the tomb and see for himself, but he doesn't just take it on Mary's word. And when I see that, I think that might be a good lesson for us as we are trying to share our faith with people, that we shouldn't be discouraged when people don't accept our witness to Jesus at the very first moment that we share it, you know, it might take some time. They might need their own confirmation. Yeah, I, I, I think sometimes we, we read these scripture passages and we somehow intuit that, um, that the time, the timing in which we're, we're sort of, that we're reading it is sort of the elapsed time that it actually took. And I, I'm not sure that that's fair. I think that um, the way in which uh, the disciples digested and and came to appreciate, um, you know, what in fact was being said to them naturally takes some time. And and even, you know, I think it was the the reading from the gospel for the the vigil, you know, that, that talks about, you know, they saw and believed, but they still did not understand the, you know, like, so it, it kind of paints this picture of a process of coming to the fullness of belief that, you know, we're not going to have on this earth. That's what the beatific vision is all about. And so to imagine that we are, have fully come to believe in, in Jesus is, uh, is maybe a, a bit of a stretch. And so I, I think a certain amount of, I won't call it due diligence, but I do think God gives us, you know, a brain and, and a, a consciousness that says, think and reflect and, 
come put some pieces together. And that's going to take some time. And to your point, I think um, anyone who hears what we're saying and in the snap of a finger says, um, oh, I'm all in. I think that that would cause should cause us more pause than someone needing to take some time to really uh, to process what it is that we're saying. So I, th- I think it puts us in great company with both of the Marys and uh, and so many, as you point out, you know, uh, the visionaries of our church and the saints who have come to uh, appreciate uh, who have encountered God in some miraculous uh, form or fashion to say that, you know, um, we need to uh, take the zeal that we have to present what we've come to know and realize it's going to take people who, with whom we're sharing this, it's going to take them some time and they're going to have to run around and check the, you know, check the, uh, the sources a little bit themselves and maybe call in on some of our credentials, you know, like get a good recommendation, you know, does Mike Martin, is he worthy of listening to? So I, I, I don't, I don't think we should fear that. I think we should embrace it and want it. Let's move on to the reading for today, today's gospel reading. And here we move over to John's gospel account and Right before we have uh, where we start today's gospel reading, we've got Mary who's gone to the tomb. It's empty. She can't find Jesus. And she goes back. She tells the apostles, I can't find him. I don't know where they've put him. And she's distressed over this. And that's kind of where we pick up is her there being sad. You know, it starts with Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting there. Uh, then we have where Jesus encounters her. And this is probably a really big question. You know, why doesn't she recognize him right away? We actually had a caller who couldn't stay on the line and curious about this too. Why doesn't anyone recognize Jesus after he's risen from the dead? Um, that we'll, we'll see that in the road to Emmaus, the two disciples that encounter Jesus there, and their eyes are not open to him. Mary mistakes him for the gardener. Um, why, why do you think there is this, this inability to recognize Jesus right away? You know, I, I think that, uh, first of all, in this uh, passage from John, um, is there anything more poignant than Mary you know, just opening up what's the depth of the despair in her heart, you know, that where have you taken, you know, like, that they, they've taken our Lord, you know, that, that sense of the hurt of being abandoned. To me, it, it reminds me of, uh, of Jesus's uh, response to the disciples when uh, they start to abandon him at, at, his description of what discipleship is going to encounter, which is, you know, the cross and uh, people start to leave. And then he says to his disciples, are you going to leave me too?" that, that same sort of poignant sense of, of being, being left alone. And if Jesus can have that feeling, Mary certainly can. And oftentimes, 
it doesn't happen with Jesus in that moment, but it could happen with Mary in this moment where the depth of our sorrow limits our ability to see clearly. And that's where, you know, you, you look at um, St. Paul um, on on the road to Damascus, you know, that, that whole understanding of sometimes we need people to help remove the scales from our eyes. Ananias, who's sent by God to minister to Paul uh, in that uh, in that reality, it's the same here. Our eyes are you know, are oftentimes in this instance, you know, the tears just blur our vision, and uh, and so the, I think there could be a, a real practical reason why she doesn't recognize him, just in the fact that you know she can't see straight. Right, with the blurry tears eyes. Her eyes, sure. You know? so, yep. But I but I also think there's a real challenge for us here to say that's the beauty of the church is when we walk with others in faith, others can sometimes help us to see clearly. And so this journey of, of belief isn't one that's supposed to be done alone, but rather God places people in our lives to help us to see, to remove sometimes the scales that inhibit us from really understanding what it is even that we're seeing. Another thing that might be good to talk about here, too, and again, our spiritual director today, Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest, as we're talking about how we encounter Christ in the Scriptures, specifically the different readings that we have from the Gospels at Mass during this week, this octave of Easter, and also inviting your phone calls at 888-914-9149, How have you been able to get to know Jesus better through reading the Gospels, and how has that allowed you then to share your faith, to be able to introduce others to Christ. 888-914-9149. So we have where she doesn't recognize Jesus, and like you say, it might just be the fact that her eyes are, you know, they're blurry from tears, and she's not interested in, you know, I I know when my wife cries, she doesn't want anybody to see her. She might even be hiding her face, so she didn't necessarily right. want to have, uh, you know, this man who comes up behind her look at her. She knows she's kind of a mess already, but she just just tell me where Jesus is. I'll take care of him. I'll I'll, I'll do this. But then Jesus calls her by name, and that's so important because we have a personal God who calls each of us by name. We're not just part of this large group. We're not some random number in this big mass of Christians, but Christ himself has died for each of us, knows each of us by name. We, he know, you know, God knows the number of hairs on our head, all these different things. We are so valuable to God. And I don't want to make this to where... You know, sometimes people can take that and turn it around and make it that we we make it all about man and humanity. It becomes this kind of anthropocentric Christianity. And no, everything still points back to the glory of God himself. Why does Jesus do everything? For the glory of God. But we have a God who loves us so much that he calls each of us individually by name. Yeah, and I I don't think we run any risk here of... um eliminating the centrality of Christ if we allow ourselves in prayer as we uh, meditate upon this uh, scripture passage to place ourselves within that 
uh, garden and, uh, and allow Jesus to speak our name, you know, and in whatever way we love to hear our names be said, you know, and maybe that's a nickname that, uh, you know, that our dad used when, uh, you know, when we were kids, or maybe it's a, a name that a spouse uses solely, you know, but anything that, that imparts the sense, as you were just mentioning, of intimate knowledge and just the, 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 the voicing of my name just in and of itself as a, as a greeting, I think, touches the depths of our, uh, of who we are and uh, of a, an acceptance and a, uh, a mercy and a profound purpose, you know, that, um, that can't be, uh, underappreciated here. You know, you can't go too far. I don't think, I, because again, who's saying this? It's the Lord, you know, it's the Lord who's calling my name. And so it always goes back to the Lord, but rather I'm an integral part of the intimacy of the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, he calls me by my, by my own name. So then we have, right after Jesus addresses her by name, she turns, looks at him. There's this comfort that's obviously been offered. And then Jesus says, right after she addresses him as Rabboni, Jesus says, stop holding on to me. And then he gives her instructions, go to my brothers, tell them, and gives them the message. Then she goes and says, I have seen the Lord. That's another thing that might be good to reflect upon here, that we are not simply meant to hold on to Christ on our own, by ourselves, but that he has work to do in the lives of other people, and he asks us to go and do work as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think um, uh, the very nature, it's uh, I preached about this a little bit on, on Holy Thursday night, you know, the that uh, it always strikes me as powerful that on the very day that we celebrate the institution of the Eucharist, that that's not the gospel that we read. We don't read the, the institution narrative. That's the, the second reading that, that we read, but the gospel reading is, uh, is one of being sent out to serve. And so similarly here, Jesus, if you, you think in just these very early moments of the resurrection, his, his mandate is to go out and to bring this good news to a world that is in fear, to a world that is in need. And not, you know, th- there's time for, uh, for cherishing uh, the glory of the risen Lord in prayer, in adoration, uh, absolutely. But the very nature of love is to be shared and and not just sort of um, kept for myself, so to speak. And that's very much the, the, as you point out, the challenge that Jesus offers about, you know, don't cling to me, that that's not what this is for. I, I'm yeah, I'm sending you out to share something greater with than just you. You know, I'm sending you out to share it with uh, with the world. And so, our 
corporate responsibility or our communal responsibility uh, is, um, and you know, hey, how about how many people you and I have spoken with over the last however many months who are saying to them, who are still watching mass uh, via a live stream, Mm -hmm. who not because of some, you know, uh, medical circumstance, but rather they just got comfortable, you know? And so, you know, it's that it's to that very reality that Jesus says to us, Hey, get out. No, you've got to get out and encounter each other. That's the, the glory of the church is for this, shared encounter that that can't be done electronically. Yeah. (laughs) Our executive director here, uh, Father Rocky, he's, I've heard him say this a number of times, and he says, yep, what we're doing is not easy, because if it was easy, it wouldn't be evangelization. Right. uh, it, It does, it's going to challenge us. Again, talking with Father Michael Martin here today. He's a Franciscan priest, the director of the Catholic Center at Duke University, and talking about the readings that we hear at Mass this week, the Gospel readings, how that allows us to encounter and understand Christ even better, how we can grow in relationship with Him, and how has that happened in your life? How have you been able to grow in that relationship with Jesus and get to know him, encounter him in a very real, a true way in reading the Scriptures? And how has that then motivated you so you can evangelize, so you can share Jesus with others, introduce introduce others to Jesus. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, And before we go to a break here, uh, Father, really good uh, quick question from Mary Alice, who's calling in from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Mary Alice, thanks for calling in. You're on the air with Father Michael. Oh, hello, Father Michael, and this is a wonderful program you're having today. Um, And he is risen. Glorify him. Um, One of the things that I was, I've been pondering this for years, why Mary did not, Mary Magdalene did not recognize him was possibly, I don't know, the last vision that she had of him was, you know, at the cross and brutalized and bloody and you know they had taken him down from the cross i get choked up even talking about this um and maybe that was other than when they cleaned him up that's the wrong verbiage but to eventually then lay him in the tomb that maybe was all that she could think of was how horrid that whole vision was she watched that crucifixion and she watched him you know, even prior to that, while he was carrying the cross up to Golgotha, maybe that's all she could, that was in her mind. And that is possibly why she did not recognize him on Easter Sunday morning. I don't know. I've been pondering this for years. And no, I, 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 so I, think you, I, I think you bring up a great point. And, you know, today we're so much more knowledgeable of things like PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, and just think of the trauma of the last image she had of the Lord emblazoned in her mind that would possibly inhibit her from from seeing who Jesus was and recognizing him. To me, that makes perfect sense. I think you're you're spot on in the, and God bless you for the, the, the heartfelt way in which as you recount Jesus's uh, 
suffering that you you suffer a little with them. That's that's uh, gracious, I think. Um, and I, I I would also say though that you know we talk about the glorified body like it's something that you know you know we were you know witnessing yesterday. You know, but I have no idea what the glorified body looks like. You know, I mean, I I think you know that kind of glory. Um, when we see it in scripture, it, you know, it, it changes people, you know, and, and so, um, to, to imagine that you just didn't know what you were looking at, I think is all the more makes the resurrection accounts all the more believable. You know, if, if all of a sudden they recognize Jesus, you might, you know, you, you might question it a little bit more. So I, I, I think you're spot on, you know, you're on, you've got a good reflection there that helps you to more deeply appreciate the suffering of Jesus. Uh, and then the glory of the resurrection is even greater. Thanks so much for that call. I appreciate yeah. that. Mary Alice, so glad to have you as part of the program today. And again, our phone number here to call into the studio, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Mario, who's listening in South Carolina, for donating his Oldsmobile. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and want to say a special thank you to Nick Sentovich and Sarah Tafoya for their help in producing the program today. Talking today with Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest and the director of the Catholic Center at Duke University, and talking about the gospel readings that we hear at Mass this week and how those gospel readings allow us to encounter Christ. They're more than just stories, more than just words on a page. They really allow us to encounter Christ, to grow in relationship with Him. And how has that happened in your life? How have you been able to grow in your relationship with Jesus and know Him better through reading the Gospels? And how has that then enabled you and inspired you to carry out the Christian message, the Christian faith to others, to evangelize? 888-914-9149 is the number to call into the studio, 888-914-9149. Father, let's look ahead to tomorrow's Gospel reading as we're getting here towards the the end of the hour. Maybe we can just briefly talk about, now tomorrow it's going to be the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they're walking from Jerusalem— and they encounter Jesus, they don't recognize him, and even though they're talking with him, you know, later on in the passage, they say to each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he spoke to us on the way as he opened up the scriptures to us? How do you think, you know, we've talked kind of Mary Magdalene and why people at that point in time didn't recognize Jesus. What do you think holds us back in our our contemporary world, in our own individual lives, from recognizing when Jesus is there working in our lives, speaking to us, calling to us in a certain way? What holds us from recognizing him? Well, let's, uh, let's first, I, I think, uh, not fail to appreciate that one of the reasons why these two disciples were able to ultimately engage Jesus in this in this dialogue is that they 
first and foremost, were walking along in conversation about their faith and what their relationship with Jesus, uh, you know, meant to them. And so I think that's a huge call out for us to say that if, if you ask it from that negative percent perspective of, you know, what prevents us, I would say the answer to that simply is not talking enough about our lives of faith and finding other people in our lives, whether it be family members or friends or, or you know, whomever it might be that we can that we can have healthy human conversations about Jesus, the more that we engage in that conversation, the more we're able to recognize God's grace at work in our midst. And so uh, I, I think that that's a, um, like a, a there, there's been so much growth, particularly on our campus uh, in our small group ministry. And I think small groups, faith sharing groups that are, you know, transforming a lot of parish, parishes around the, you know, around the country as well, speak to the fact that um, when two or three are gathered in my name and, and in some form or fashion discuss my name, that there I am in their midst and we, we could add and are more likely to be able to recognize him in our midst. And so I think conversation about faith um, is kind of a prerequisite for us to have eyes to see. And and so I, I think we can't, again, just sort of try and stay in our silo and, you know, hope that, that Jesus shows up one day. No, let's, let's encounter one another and discuss, talk, share, be with as we, um, as we allow the Lord to make himself known on, on whatever road we're walking. Right. Well, and, the beautiful thing about this, too, is it points us to encountering Christ himself at Mass because it's in the breaking of the bread that those two disciples, they finally, their eyes are open, they recognize that it's been Jesus there with them this whole time, and that we can have that same ability that the Eucharist actually gives us spiritual eyes, that we can see better where Jesus is working in our midst, where he's calling to us, how he's interacting with us. And so I think that's a great way to wrap up this hour. Father Michael, uh, it's been just a joy to have you on the the show here today. And as we're in our last, oh, about 30 seconds here, could I ask you to offer a blessing to all of our listeners today? Absolutely. Gracious God, uh, you sent us your son as such a a uh, powerful gift uh, of yourself and the witness that we have been so honored to experience in our own lives of his resurrected life and the power of his spirit alive in our world uh, gives us hope. And so we ask you, Lord, uh, to continue to inspire us and continue to make your presence known. And may we always give you glory uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the ways in which we come to know you more personally and as a church in our world. Amen. Amen. Father Michael Martin, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today. I hope we can have you back on the program sometime soon. And I want to thank you for listening. If you joined us late and you want to go back and listen to the entire hour, the podcast will be available very shortly here at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up uh, next here, and tomorrow on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about doubt. Are you a doubting Thomas? We'll talk about that tomorrow here.